This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Welcome to Belt Below to the officially unofficial podcast for the Expanse on Amazon. I'm Jim. <laughs> I'm Aaron. Uh, it's official now. It's no longer a sci-fi show. It's an Amazon show. Uh, we're here to do a season three wrap-up. Aaron, you were out of town last week, so Levi and I covered the second half of the finale. I just kind of wanted to start with what you thought of it. Uh, I thought it was it was really good. I The thought I had in my mind when I was watching it most was what I feel like that this felt rushed if I wasn't aware of how much material that they were having to plow through from the books. Mm. Because I did feel in the last two episodes ever so slightly some moments that were that were hustled along. But, you know, fitting a book and a half into a 13-episode season is kind of a feat. Um, and <laughs> and the, the basics of the plot was awesome. And then... The way they left the board set at the the end, like if you had asked me, I would have never predicted that all the Stargates would have opened up at the end, giving humanity potential gateway to what was it, sixteen hundred systems, thirteen hundred systems. That's that's crazy. That's crazy. And Holden counted each and every one. He went (laughs) to all the rings. He said, "Okay, this is one." Yeah, yeah, yeah. He had a touch of meat. Yeah, each of them. I thought there was a little like maybe the suspect counting, but like I imagine. You know, it's not just a single like like our system doesn't contain a single world worth human habitation. There's like that's how many I guess worlds there are. Yeah. Um, but I, I thought that's a really cool idea and it really flips the geopolitical uh, you know situation on its head because now the Belters have asserted control whether they can win it or not, and whether there will be a war over it. They've asserted control over the gate, and as Holden uh, identified, it's going to be a massive gold rush and lots of blood. Um, It's interesting because it's not like a Stargate, right, where you walk through it and you're instantly where you need to go. Because if it's if these are anything like the other ring system or the one ring system, we know it's going to be a decent amount of travel like this isn't going to magically wave all of the problems of space travel away. Mm -hmm. Uh, So I, I it's. It, it's crazy to the extent, like, what is the proto-molecule's role going to be going forward? Because it literally just seems like it's a door, uh, plot-wise, you know? Yeah, I I mean, it, exactly. It kicked open, you know, not a lot, not even just a lot of physical doors, but a lot of right. uh, plot doors, too. I, I'm super excited to, to see what the future of all of this is going to be. I mean, it seems to me like the proto-molecule's role going forward is going to be that of uh detective still you mm-hmm. know i mean miller is still going to be out there hitching a ride with holden trying to figure out what happened to whatever race or whatever kind of being built this these yeah. gates because i mean i think that's the 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 note of alarm at the end of this not only is the 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 politics just completely changed and it's going to be a lot of like mm-hmm. strife over that but 
you know, this technology is far beyond anything we can understand, and it was destroyed at some point, mm-hmm. we think. And and the fact that they're, like, rebooting the show is kind of like a mystery so that, uh, you know, Holden and Miller can fight, figure out what exactly happened to them and it's like a murder investigation right um mm-hmm. but but the thing is is like if you find the killer what are you going to do bring it to justice because it erased a <laughs> civilization that you can't even comprehend so right tread lightly yeah you know? <laughs> yeah but on the other hand they got a infu- huge infusion of this new technology that's going to be interesting and cool uh bobby has remutinied i guess and is, is mm-hmm. with the rossinati that was cool um yep i liked how there wasn't any real villains like, I, I enjoyed your and Levi's take that, like, everyone doing something in the finale felt like it had a point to it. And, mm-hmm. like, you know, I was even arguing myself. It's like, you know, if I'm out, if I'm not in Miller's inner circle and he starts ranting and raving and talking to nothing and you're watching this on a view screen, mm-hmm. uh, do you try <laughs> to do the, like, it, it seems like if you destroy the gate, then it's going to contain the station. But, yeah, I don't know. Uh I, no, I it, it I I do agree that there were a couple of moments that felt rushed, and I I really wish there were some things that they did in the book that I think they did better, but maybe only because they had more time to do them, right? Um, or maybe because I'm more familiar with them. But yeah. I, I think for the most part, they did a remarkable job packing a book and a half into one season of a television show that historically has done one book and then half a book right like they were on the opposite trajectory for the first two seasons right right uh and here they really just ramped it up and uh yeah i I thought they did a great job with that and they did a great job keeping me invested in everyone in this show not just the heroes not just the the four people who i'm supposed to be you know in love with throughout the show but yeah. the people around them drummer ashford like oh when they all they engineered a situation where drummer is going to take herself out with grenades like i was yeah. like emotionally preparing to grapple with like a drummer <laughs> dying and it was shaping up to be a moment and then mm-hmm. naomi colcox fucking you know harari with the elevator in his martian armor and it was a really like it didn't feel cheap because like I did believe in that moment that she might die and there's certainly been yeah. people that died this year that I like Souther and Kotiar mm-hmm. and um you know I could probably list a few others if I if I if I thought about it more but like the show's not afraid to do that um and like I'm not like I I was I was preparing a couple episodes ago to say goodbye to Alex or Amos when the the massive decel event. So mm-hmm. it's got a very similar Game of Thrones hook in that it does feel like anybody could die at any time, which makes everything much more you know much much more dramatic and, and effective. Yeah, I, I agree. It, you know, it has that Game of Thrones thing going right, for it. Right. But, but also like it's not even just that you know they can kill side characters and and those are kind of expendable mm-hmm. it doesn't really feel like anybody's expendable in this right. universe and therefore when they do kill side characters it makes an impact like yeah. if ashford were to die it, I, it's remarkable what they've done with ashford in six episodes yes because don't forget ashford was introduced to us after the time jump halfway through this season yeah and in six episodes he's become 
one of my favorite characters. I yeah. mean, it, you know, it it's hard to say one of my favorite characters in this show because right. everybody is. Yeah, like any, they're just so well depicted characters. Anyone that gets a line of dialogue is I have uh, affection for, except and, Diogo. You hate except Diogo. for I, I do hate him. <laughs> he's just like if, if there's a villain this season, it's him. Yeah, because he's just <laughs> that's fair. Uh-huh. I, I I don't know if he's a, even a bad guy, but he's working for people that I don't think have uh, humanity's best interest at heart. Mm-hmm. And I don't feel that way about Ashford. Like I felt Ashford was a. I mean, he's obviously the antagonist in this episode, but he um, is not for evil reasons. I mean, no. maybe you could say that there's a selfish. Uh, desire to redeem his old piratical ways and some kind of last minute blaze of glory that no one will even know about. So mm-hmm. how bad can it be? But like, it's still, I, I, again, I find myself, if I wasn't in Miller's inner circle, I think I'd be on board for blasting the ring and sealing ourselves in here and dealing with the consequences. Because otherwise, yeah. you know, the ring station was, but, 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 but that's where I get like, you know, the, my minor criticisms of the, the things being rushed is I did feel like in the last three episodes, um, the humans weren't necessarily acting rationally. Like they just saw what happened when a grenade, a, a, a Marine pulls a grenade on the station. So they nuke a reactor. Mm-hmm. And it's like that stuff where I felt like the, the writers were kind of like goosing things along unnecessarily. Sure. Yeah. But it didn't it didn't it wasn't a, nearly a fatal problem. And I felt like the drummer and Ashford's relationship was really accelerated and condensed, but it worked. Mm-hmm. So and, you know, Jesus, what does even season four even look like? I, I, I like uh this show is still expanding as it's mm-hmm. as its title. I guess is that what the like the expanse refers to the fact that humans' horizons are being expanded? Maybe in, into. I always thought it referred to the void, that, you know, yeah, yeah. itself. It's just the expanse, the the stuff that's out there. Right, but this could be like you know humanity's. Uh, this is like uh, this is like the fucking um, monolith from two thousand one mm-hmm. coming to the monkeys and giving you Stargate technology. Yeah. This, uh, this could springboard us into something entirely new. <laughs> right, right. Um, uh, season three is weird, too, because you look back at, like, season one and season two, and they had very clear through lines for the entire season. This season is split into two parts, two very distinctive and parts. Feels because that way. You yeah. know, you talk about there being no villains. Well, there were definitely, absolutely villains in the first half of this season. Certainly. Aaron Wright is a villain. Well... Potentially, I would say he's very close to a villain. Mao, a I'd villain. say he's a villain, and Ma- yeah, oh, he's yeah, uh, he's certainly, certainly a villain. Mustache twirling, if you had one. Yeah, uh, although Doctor Strickland, definitely it, a villain. But even then, like even even uh, you know Jean Pierre, uh, he he had depth to him. Uh-huh. Like he wasn't like yeah. I think at the end he was doing what he thought was right for humanity. Like we have to understand the protomolecule. If I have to grind a few children to dust to do it. Yeah, I mean it's it's Thanos, right? Like, yeah, of course Thanos is a villain. Right. Yes, he has justifications for what he's doing, but it right. doesn't make him not evil. Right, 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 right. Uh, so yeah, I, I think Jules Pierre Mal definitely a villain. Um, so it's interesting that the second half didn't really have what I would view as solid villains. Um, and that's not a, to take away from it. That's not a bad thing. Right. I mean, the, I guess the villain or the, anta- the primary antagonist was the station itself. Yeah. It was something that, like, you know, Miller and Holden and Ashford and everybody was kind of lined up against. Um, yeah. But uh, another thing I want to touch about, uh, touch on in your guys' uh, finale podcast is who wins in a fight between Amos and Bobby. <laughs> okay, yeah. Uh, yeah, it's, I mean, are we talking about, like, 
Does Amos get a power suit? Does does Bobby fight without her power suit? Um, uh, because if I, Bobby has her power suit, it's yeah, all over, and I Amos mean, doesn't. Yeah, Bobby gets her power suit, Amos doesn't. It's over. Then yeah, she just she right. just rips his ass in half, literally like a like a phone book. Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's if it's if it's on equal footing, I don't know because Bobby certainly has, as Levi pointed out, the military training. But as yeah. you pointed out, Amos has got the. The, the sheer tenacity and the lack of hesitation. Like I could see Bobby mm, like yeah. hesitate. Although I don't know why I say that because she was the first one to fucking blow, try to blow away Holden. That's true. And she's got to have much more of a connection to Holden than she does to Amos. So maybe we, we're <laughs> we're projecting on something to something of Bobby that's not really in evidence. Yeah. Uh, I guess I would go. With Bobby. I think I think what would happen is the fight would start and then Bobby would mutiny and just leave the scene. <laughs> just yeah. go to another ship, uh, this quit is her a job. Hard moil choice. So I'm just yeah. going to, you know, I'm going to go. I'm going to be a radar tech on the behemoth. behemoth. It, it is becoming a little bit of a joke. Uh, th- this certainly has to be the last time, right? Bobby yeah. can't go and back. That's, I, I feel like there is another symptom of the of the rushed is that the marine, the, the poor Martians, just really come across poorly this half of the season. Like yeah. they they seem designed in a laboratory to split a wedge between uh, Bobby's uh, loyalty to Mars and mm-hmm. her her you know loyalty to the greater cause that she's that she sees. Yeah. Um, and that that was unfortunate. But again, you know, do you think one of the goals was to provide like an ending to the series? Like, if they didn't get another season, this is. It's not exactly wrapped up, but like the protomolecule crisis in the soul system, this is the story and it was told. And now you could have spinoffs, yeah. you could have all kinds of like maybe they're thinking like, well, maybe we'll get a chance to tell some movies in this new story, or this new universe or something like go like a Firefly route. But it did feel like it could have been the end of the series if it had to be. Yeah, with just the open question of like what destroyed the the civilization that created the ring right 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 and what would humanity do next and uh, you know there's there's lots of like unfinished business but the bi- the business that was started at the beginning of the series felt like it largely came to a conclusion and now and then I I saw that one of the showrunners on Twitter after the finale says okay so that's it that's that's done with the prologue and <laughs> okay. I kind of can see that that like yeah. yeah everything was 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 building up to to essentially this Stargate business and now they can tell the real story. Yeah, I mean when you look at the you know the traditional three act structure, we're th- one third of the way through the books. So this would be the end of Act One where they've set up the story. Yeah. Now it's time to go explore it. You yeah, know, yeah, things yeah. are going to get worse from here. Yeah. Uh, until Book Six, and then. The last three books will be resolution. I wonder if we're supposed to understand something important with humanities happen here because, you know, contra like Westworld, which has this very dour, pessimistic view of of civilization. I feel like Expanse has that, too. But at the end where Miller or Holden was like, can we just for once try something like not meet the unknown with violence? And, yeah. you know, regards what happens on the behemoth. um, all, the rest of the starships, like the, the the rest of the fleet, was was willing to to give that a try, and I mm-hmm. wonder if that says something positive. Or the other um, recurrent thing is as humanity expands, um, new prejudices and new hatreds and animosities replace the old ones. But we're always looking for the us versus them. Yeah, we found and a new them. 
<laughs> and now that there's 1,600 worlds that humanity can further to fracture upon, is that going to be uh, a unified humanity stepping forth, or is it going to be the same old bitter rivalries now just fractured 10 to 100 times fold? Yeah. Yeah, it is weird. We, you know, we both simultaneously did and didn't find a new them because there's a protomolecule, which mm-hmm. they they now understand you know is essentially a tool mm-hmm. of a larger civilization that got wiped out so you right. know there there was a them there at some point but now there's no longer a them so we'll need to find a new them there's the unknown them that's that seems to be like you know the the the, the true threat in, yeah. in the world and i i'm kind of interested in seeing what that turns out to be because mm-hmm. nothing like it it seems like anything they could take it's it's kind of like the borg the borg were this existential threat where like you could barely survive if everything pulled together but the problem with that is, you know, you send Voyager to the Delta Quadrant and then suddenly Janeway just, you right. know, beating the Borg like a drum with a single starship. And mm-hmm. the Expanse has a problem where anything that could eat the protomolecules builder's lunch is going to absolutely wipe the floor with humanity. So either humanity has to take a big evolutionary step up or... They're going to have to nerf the the great other that's that's out there destroying civilizations and yeah that's that's a tough I mean but I have an enormous amount of faith in the way they're running the show mm-hmm. and now that they've got like what it seems to me um, a lot of like cultural and budgetary problems fixed like I don't think Amazon is going to be nickel and diming them I don't think they're going to you know demand any particular thing not that I'm saying sci-fi did but like they also no. like I, I won't have to hear any more of this. F- you know, get out of my face and forget you. And right. And right. like, they can actually tell a, a truly mature adult story. I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. Okay, cool. Um, I guess I don't have a lot more to talk about. We pretty much covering the, the finale. We talked a lot about, you know, where we hope this would go and stuff like that at the very end of that last podcast. Uh, I do have a lot of feedback, though. Okay, cool. If you want to do that. Do we want to, before, um, I'm wondering if Anna becomes, does she continue to be a big part of the show going forward? I know this is, this is I'm, I'm relishing the, oppor- the one opportunity we yeah. can be in kind of even footing. Cause, <laughs> right. Uh, you know, you we are at the exact same place that the book three left, right? Mm-hmm. So what would your think thoughts be? Does Anna have a role going forward, or was she just... She's kind of like the bridge between the f- two halves of the season, right? I feel like anybody who has a role going forward needs to be closer to to like Holden or Avrasarla or but like that thing she's got the, with Amos's. I'm not even sure I like it. It's it's interesting, but like she's got a fucking family to go back to. Do you want her to be Alex? No, that's what that's my my always my big problem with it. But like, I mean, maybe she's just going to be another prax where, hey, I was hanging with Amos for half a season yeah. and taught him a a moral lesson about the value of human life. Right, uh, and maybe he needs a series of those people in his life, you know, to, yeah. to change his mind about stuff. But yeah, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't really see her being a huge part because she's got places to go. Right, other but people she can help. also be like. Because they keep on showing Avasarala, like that final scene of her contemplating all these gates and stuff. Like, she's not a cuddly figure. She no. is not what I would call a righteous figure. Um, 
I, I think she wants to protect humanity, and she wants. But we can see how that desire can be subverted in like Ashford wanting to destroy something, and which would lead to the deaths, uh, I guess, of, of of everybody in the solar system. Mm-hmm. Um, but then again, like, where are you on on trusting Miller? Because I'm wondering, I'm I'm somehow wondering, like, if maybe Miller didn't engineer some of this behind the scenes to get what he wants, like. Sure. Yeah, he's making it seem like, oh man, my hands are tied here with the station. But maybe he was escalating things on that end to to force the humans to do something that that he wanted. Like maybe they could have destroyed the ring gate, and that would have been it. But that's not what he wants. He wants to solve the fucking mystery. Yeah. No. He. I, I don't. I don't think that whatever Miller is now has any concern for us as human beings. All it wants is to solve the mystery of its own destruction. But there is a lot of whole Miller still left in there, and I, I get the other question I have is, what am I to make of like so? Mil, so Miller is is hitching a ride not just on the Rossinati, but inside Miller, and is it connected to the blue goo that's still under those deck plates? I don't think so because Holden was off the Rossi when he was seeing Miller for the but he was the in the gate times. he was in the gate yeah, yeah. which they made it clear that that like really boosts the transmission on it I. I, I just don't – that's the one big question I have is, mm-hmm. like, what was the significance of that hunk of protomolecule? Was that – I kept on thinking they'd make it explicit that that's what let Miller kind of get his foothold in, but they didn't really. And maybe that's maybe that's a, a, a symptom of the, the streamlined uh, approach in writing. Because, like, even – I think it was you pointed out that, like, in the final episode, they never really – explain why Ashford was hell-bent on blow- and, and using the laser. Like, why not – shut down the engines just to see what happens mm-hmm. um like i think yeah. the expanse of it was running like you know and it's old efficient self and not like trying to overburn or do a high gravity burn to get to like uh, like they would be there a scene where like if we scram the engine it'll take a full day and we have hours like right there's stuff little 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 sloppy joe things that could have been tightened down um that would have but but also maybe I don't know. They're they're trying to leave some things ambiguous about people's motivations because I don't know what plot. Uh, you know, I imagine Ashford's still going to be important, and Drummer's still going to be important, and the Dawes and and Johnson will be important going forward. But mm-hmm. I don't know. Maybe they didn't want to play their hand about that. Uh, they didn't want to make it seem like Ashford is forced to do something. That this is a, a that this is a, the, more of a statement on humanity and the choices they make. Because if you're forced to do something, you can't really make a moral judgment on it. You just had to do it, right? You know? Whereas this, you can you can kind of read into you know what what was his motivation for doing that? Was right. it was it pride? Was it uh, some sense of forgiveness that was driving him? Like what was it? It does seem like maybe both of those things because uh-huh. he didn't you know he now that he man in that last scene of drummer like coming up to him as he's crippled with <laughs> he the, doesn't with look the, like he's having a good time no with the drink like and, yeah. and trying to make amends like man i just don't know if captain first off or uh, captain xo relationship can go forward between them and i thought like i was genuinely yeah. shocked that i guess uh ashford was like no i am the captain you're not the captain anymore the captain I, I was too yeah yeah like I, that's well, another that, ru- that's another little rush i felt like there needed to be Something where he was convinced that he she just was under the spell of Holden or whatever, but yeah, I they left that all somewhat ambiguous though, like to the to the point where I think they walked that perfect line between is this in fact a mutiny because they were both like 
he said, look, I just, I want her to come see me, right? Uh Like, he didn't say, I'm the captain now and you have to obey me over her. He just told people what to do because she was out of communication. And then they both went their separate ways and did their own things. Right. Granted, Ashford sent people to go bring her to the bridge. And I don't think they would have brought her to the bridge. I think they would have killed her. Right, right, right. right. Uh, But they walked like this weird fine line between mutiny or not mutiny in that yeah. in that final episode that's what i'm saying like I, I, de- I do feel like they didn't want to fully commit a character they wanted to keep everything kind of shades of hero and gray to maybe do something with those characters in the future i don't know and then they would know what they were going to do with them right already yeah. so maybe they couldn't push but i don't that know that that's true mutiny. i don't know that like well they've got four more books that have been written right and like what two more that haven't so i'm like saying like but but there's been so many differences in condensations Mm -hmm. that like maybe they're not sure that they need to to preserve as many possibilities alive so when they get in the writer's room and they're talking about how they can cut down book four or maybe fit half of book five in there like they can be like well we did leave an open question whether ashford is i'm just saying it seems like it's it's from their story even though they know where they're going in a way that, like, I don't even think is true of the Game of Thrones showrunners. Like, like you know, they certainly know where this is going, and by preserving some ambiguity, they give them some flexibility to streamline things to get there more directly. Maybe. I don't know. I don't know. Nope. I got I got a little spoiled. Not spoiled, but this was that, because I was, like, after, you know, I felt like, oh, I'll just do some deep dives in some of these threads, because, like, there's not going to be no spoilers. But I guess that, like, you're in the book, Ashford kind of goes crazy. Uh yes, I I I would label it as that a little bit. Right. Like like and I think he's that, provoked by by there's a lot of stuff provoking him. Yeah. I'll say that. But I also wonder if they were trying to suggest like like I'm looking for evidence of like w- what the authors are doing as far as like changing characters and why. And I think mm-hmm. that it looked like that maybe even late in the season they were still hinting with the idea maybe he'll just be this will be a irrational thing because they had the suicide on board the prince mm-hmm. and they had like Alex acting paranoid and irrational and I felt like they were setting but then they just decided nah let's not do that and I don't like how late in the season did that happen like or were some of those because I saw that in Game of Thrones sometimes there'd just be like a little a grace note that a character would get that would not make sense unless you were a book reader. And it's kind of like, you know, the showrunner, the, the, the show only watchers don't pick it up, but the TV, the book readers do. And it's like a nod to them, mm-hmm. you know? And yeah, I wonder I, if I mean, some of that stuff some was... some of that, yeah. but, like, nothing that I would label as something that detracted from the show story. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm just and, fascinated and think, on how they're adapting it, honestly. Yeah, I, I do think that the... Uh, the stuff they were doing with people acting irrationally and the suicide and stuff like that was definitely there to show what an epic event this is, right? right. How this changes How everything. Puts on people, yeah. yeah, and I think ultimately that they didn't do that kind of thing with Ashford says more about Ashford than it does the writers. I think Ashford is a character who is resilient in the face of those types mm. of... You know, he... I don't think he's acting irrationally. I think he's acting rationally, but maybe slightly in a, in a slightly misguided way. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, so I, I think he's better able to cope. Like all of the command staff seems better able to cope with this uh-huh. than just the run of the mill. Right. You know, civilian for that lack makes, of a better term. That makes sense. Yeah. Uh, maybe they were doing that to sort of con- contrast those two. Yeah. Classes uh, types of, people. of people. Yeah. yeah. Okay. 
Uh, anything else, or should we get to feedback? Let's get the feedback. All right, we start off with Sophia, who says, when you do the wrap-up podcast, would you consider sectioning off the book show comparisons to a separate part? Maybe I'm in a minority, but as a non-book reader, I prefer not to know too much about the book. Occasional tidbits are all right. I like the level you're keeping it, but I'm trying to think of the show as its own thing. Not that I will ever be a true unsullied. I've learned way too much from the interviews with Ty and Daniel on the turn. <laughs> yeah, dude, if if you don't want things that I kind of view as spoilers, don't go listen to the churn. Uh, yeah, it gives that's... you some great insights, but I think they're like one step ahead of the show usually. It's so disappointing because I really want to listen to that podcast. Honestly, I want to throw my hat in the ring for the Amazon version of that podcast. Like, I think... Uh, Ty and Dan, if you're familiar with our coverage at all. Oh, yeah. Uh, and, like, because my understanding is that the, the churn is kind of like a sci-fi, like, it's ran by sci-fi employees. It's a sci-fi. Yeah. I mean, sci-fi wire, so it's, like, a division of, yeah. of sci-fi, but yeah. I wonder if they'll keep doing I, I I just can't see. It's, it seems like sci-fi, for better or worse, wants to wash their hands of this property. So, like, I would like Bald Move, the Beltalota podcast, to be <laughs> the new churn. And we, I will spoil the shit out of myself. <laughs> And or or maybe I can be the editor like when Ty and Dan get too loose with their lips, mm. I can be like, I don't know that the fuck are they talking about? Um, anyway, yeah, yeah I, I think really... all of these questions, you know, we have or these these speculations on what the writers are thinking. Are yeah. they are they saving characters? Are they making sure that everyone's alive? Yeah. So they have flexibility. Actually, ask them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, I think those would be interesting questions. Like, it gets to the nitty gritty behind. But I, I think we do a bang up job on it, and it seems like the job is going to be open. So you hear that, Bezos? Yeah. Let's get yeah. that going. Come on, let's bury the hatchet. You know, <laughs> this is good for you. It's good this for us. This is the olive branch. This Take is, it. You're right. You're Can right. we just for once not try violence here? Yes. Let's not reach for, for the bombs. For once in our history. Can we put our, <laughs> our stockpiles of copper and animosity aside and just work together on a podcast, for God's sake? Um, but yeah, I, I, try, I try to drop book stuff not like too spoilery, but... When it's when it's needed, I don't know if it warrants a whole a whole section of the podcast, but maybe. Yeah. Uh, I we'll mean, think I, about it for season four. I, like I said, like uh, I think it's interesting to do that, like you know, compare the books, like where they're making changes because it's just interesting information, and that's. But but it, it's tricky because you can't overshare. And I saw like in a time or two in game of Thrones, where a plot point from an earlier book is used as like, it's kind of like a standalone kind of character thing, or they bring that character back in a way that's kind of surprising. And it are, I mean, I don't think it's ever like a show ruining spoiler, but it does mm -hmm. get some people upset because some people have, um, you know, some people are spoiler phobes, like, yeah. like it, it, like just the thought of getting the show spoiled for them almost ruins like whether regardless or not if it actually ruined the experience mm -hmm. the experience of them experiencing the fact that it might be ruined that ruins it yeah so i i i don't share that thought but i do know it exists and I, I try to cater to as many listeners as we can you know i think it'd be tough to do also because i haven't read well any of the future books yet right um but i'm probably only going to read one maybe two into the future so like they decide to bring something even, from season or from book six in to the next season. I'm not going to know about it, right? That's another question I had for you: is if you were feeling like because because in the the episode 13 podcast, uh, I thought that there was a little bit of a wavering of your resolve to not get too far ahead. Well, yeah, I mean it's it's from hearing people who say that book four is probably not going to be a whole season. 
Uh. And that book five might even not be a whole season. <laughs> like, they might really plow through this. Now thing. that they've seen how streamlined they can make it. Yeah. And and I guess, like, from how people are talking, and I haven't read it, so this can't be a spoiler, but from how people are talking, season or book four is not that consequential to hmm. the plot. Or or not that it's not consequential, but that it it's kind of a bit of a tangent that they don't really need that in the story. That seems crazy to me that you would open up all these possibilities and the next book just be like twiddle your thumbs for a bit. Yeah. Which makes me think that like maybe whatever they set up has to be important for later on. Maybe, yeah. Um, but I don't know. Because like, I, I, I also have strongly disagreed with... I, I'm. I honestly don't like the culture that happens with these groups where you have a fandom that's one as a show only and one as a yeah. book and plus show because like I've never seen a community where the book people behave them their them fucking selves and of course yeah. I mentioned that like the Game of Thrones people eventually got under control but after I thought about it what really happened is the show leapt forward from the books and yeah. now the book people were muzzled because they had nothing left that they could they could give. So like right. it was kind of a problem until the last two or three years when the so and like I think I just I just don't I just I just I don't know how you moderate a group like that where people like like you know where where people are bad faith actors that have information and yet you're encouraging people to speculate like <laughs> I, I I don't I don't know I don't mm-hmm. know how you do it. All right, let's move on to AJ. Uh, AJ says, man, I really couldn't care less about Anna's inner moral quandaries. Her character's really gone downhill. How'd you feel about Anna at the end of this season? I, I don't know. I liked, I liked Anna and I thought that she was important to the plot and that she kind of helped people find their moral compasses, even people like, uh, you know, Claire, Mm-hmm. Um, but I also worried because, like, I think one of the things that's unique about Amos is is kind of his, like, amorality. Or, like, you know, that he gave a big speech to Monica. It's like, I know you want me to be hurt and mad, that, but I'm not. I'm not ever going to be. Like, I'm on – I'm operating on this, like, purely rational, like, self-interested plane. And it's just never and, – and, and I think that's an, that's what's interesting about Amos. And I was really – leery of Anna getting in there and putting her fingers in the Amos pie because like hmm. you know if Amos is just holding light then who gives a shit mm-hmm. like if he's just like slightly less of, he's like a paladin that might sh- he's like a Hansel that might shoot first and and Holden is the uh, the special edition Han Solo who might let you sh- plug him before he is sure he'll shoot you I, mm. I don't know but I, I liked her like that's where I was kind of grappling with a few episodes ago. Like I am at war between wanting to see more of her and also that that would eventually destroy what makes her character kind of cool and, and righteous, which is that she just doesn't, she's a lot like Holden. She just won't morally compromise. Um, she starts abandoning her family and her, you know, her, her outreach mission and stuff like that. And that's kind of takes away from her character. Sure. Yeah. But no, I thought I, I actually when she I thought it was a real moment when she <laughs> spacewalked over and shocked the shit out of uh, uh, the, the, the Mao sister. I thought that mm-hmm. was pretty cool. All right. Gabe says just a quick clarification. There have been questions on the past few podcasts about not being able to shoot. And I got a bunch of emails about this or a bunch of communiques. Not about being able this. to shoot. Uh, yeah, in the slow zone and then the whole oh, like yeah, yeah, bullet yeah. travel thing. Yeah. Uh, apparently, you can shoot in the slow zone if you are in a ship, 
It was a throwaway line two or three episodes ago. Right, the, the speed limit mentioned. only applies to ships and not what's in them. Uh, see, I took that line as being a theory or, or yeah. a hypothesis that he was working on, too. not as fact, because how could he know that? Um, uh, but I, oh, go ahead. So, so I was still under the impression that you know you couldn't shoot in the ships after the new speed limit, and that the old speed limit was high enough that you could fire bullets, uh-huh. but the new 62-mile-an-hour one obviously would not be. Yeah. But last episode, they, they proved that completely wrong because the firefight with Bobby and Amos happened. Yeah, and I bet, so, I bet the and, reason and I they... just totally spaced that. And I bet the reason they said that is because if you think of it from a physics standpoint, all kinds of things would break down mm-hmm. just from a basic functionality of a starship if yeah. things could yeah. only move at 38 meters per I mean, those pods, those pods that Drummer was using to move around the ship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. exactly. That kind Wouldn't of stuff. Work. Like, a, a pumping water might not work. Yeah. Uh, would, like, do, I mean, photons are exempt, I guess, electricity would too, but, like, like there's a lot of questions that, that like, a, a scientist might, like, grind if, if, if this was a phenomenon that acted outside of, like, the ship scale. So, mm-hmm. I'm not, yeah, I guess, I it's took the, the same way. way out. Uh, you you know you establish a rule and then you right. take the easy way out and for right. that I'm a little bummed by it because I think it's interesting if you try and deal with the problems that your rules create right in a, in a smart way but right. I also understand it yeah 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 uh, so yeah everything was kosher in the, the final episode David S has a series of of things that he wants to talk about here and I'm considering all comers today uh-huh. so he says number one. He's glad that I don't think you've read the churn, have you? Mm-mm. Okay, then he's glad that I got to the churn. Uh, he recently reread as well and forgot how young Amos was, um, and it gave a good foundation to dig into the Anna Amos stuff. Which, yeah, I think had I not read the churn, I wouldn't have really understood that quite as much. Hmm. Uh, and I think it's not one of those things where you have to have read the book or the novella, but if you do, it just adds a little more context to it and a little okay. more light. Um, because I, I mean, I think you know they've done enough with Amos to let us know that he has had a rough background. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and as a childhood, probably it's, it's kind of like one. Jared on Silicon Valley, where the more you hear, the more like Jesus, yeah, yeah, yeah. dude. Yeah, it's worse every time he opens yeah, his mouth. Yeah, yeah. Uh, number two, regarding pre-season four reading, uh, you might want to consider reading both books four and five. I get the feeling that Cibola Burn could be a lot like Abaddon. A uh, half season book, hmm. and he's not the only one to say that. A lot of people are saying. However, Ty and Dan have said the next season is only going to be ten episodes. Mm-hmm. That to me, like, unless they just can really just cut the shit out of these books, like that to me says that maybe we should expect ma- more of a singular season. Yeah, maybe Man, they're a little bit more in the low man zone here, where they can't tell two books and one book is not enough. I mean, that's happened to that happens to Game of Thrones on occasion. Sometimes it leads to like a weaker season, and sometimes I mean, it's it's never been exactly fatal, but um, yeah. I don't know. Like maybe like if I was Dan and Ty, I would kind of relax and take the foot off the pedal. I mean, not to the detriment of the narrative, <laughs> but right. like now that you've got. Uh, 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 um, now that you got a, a, a ca- you got you got some money behind you, and like I mean, if you read between the lines, 
Like, I don't think Bezos is planning on the show being 10 times more popular to justify his investment into it. Like, mm-hmm. he knows exactly how popular this show is. They know how many people are watching it. Like, maybe they're wanting to, be, to, to, to make some modest gains, but I don't think they're wanting, like... 10, 20 times. The, so, like, maybe slow down and, and not have to cut as many corners if you don't... I mean, it's, it, if you're cutting corners just to adapt something from, from books to television, that's fine, mm-hmm. you know? But, like, I don't... would not. I'd hate to see them cut stuff just for the sake of cutting it. Or because, like, I'm afraid if we don't, we won't get to the spot in time and we'll be canceled. Because yeah. I just don't... I feel like that Amazon's just going to bring this thing home. Yeah, I... I have a lot of uh, optimistic feelings right. about this show going right. forward. Or if they don't, it's because Dan and Ty have fucked something up and made mm-hmm. the show unwatchable, which I find very hard to believe at this point. Yeah. Um, he also says not including the, the mutiny subplot in full form is a bummer, which, yeah, as as a book reader, I, that's why I kept looking at this and saying, man, they have no time to do the stuff that the book did. Um, and then they just turns out they didn't. Yeah, they they really didn't. It. They totally restructured it um, and cut a lot out, which I I don't think actually harmed the show. I think the show was still really really good. Right. It was just different. Yeah, and it's it's um, it seems like having the Martians be massive dickheads just accelerated getting Bobby onto Rasanani. Yeah. Like there might have been. You know, maybe maybe in the real books, so she's not in book four, and she'd be absent again, and there'd be some other cockamamie reason to get her on board. And they're like, you know what? We can make these guys be a bunch of high-headed idiots and who are shaming her along the way, and she can just be like, you know what? Fuck it. Mm-hmm. And she's, as as he points out here, she's on the Rossi now. She's part of the Rossi crew. Significant that, that her and Alex were shown paired off? Because they were kind of hinting. I mean, yeah. They're kind of hinting towards a relationship there, and I thought it was significant. Of course, I guess they're also just Martians, right? Right, and I do think a relationship, you know, whether it's romantic or platonic there, would be the natural thing, right? They both understand each other in a way that the other people probably don't. What does this do to the Martians' terraforming plan? Because Why terraform Mars now? Well, I mean, yeah, because Mars is... I mean, I guess it's the second best planet if you're going to look to terraform and start, like, you know, mm-hmm. and, and you know, maybe you can live in Cloud City and, and Venus or whatever. <laughs> but there's not a lot of great Earth analogs. But now that you have 1,300 systems, like, fuck terraforming Mars. Just find uh M-class star with the, you know, whatever inhabitable <laughs> Earth-like planet. You Mars know? is beca- going to become the shithole of the Martian right, Empire. Right, yeah. It's like if you lived in a desert and you're trying to, like, bring water to the desert and then your map updated and you found out, like, oh, there's a fucking lake with a lush meadow. Just, like, let's let's, let's fuck this desert and go to the, <laughs> the, the, the oasis, man. Yeah. What are we doing? here for sure i wonder if that's going to be a big plot where there's be martian separatists or be like you know let's get the hell out of here i wonder if it's also going to be a way to like um calm the mormon thing all down because that's got to be mm. they've, they haven't mentioned it but if there's a legal battle over the fucking ross and Adi, a martian corvette like powerful connected mormons must be having a sh- just 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 making the courts a shit show back on earth trying to get that thing back yeah, yeah. But now they can just take a six-month flight to the outer solar system and a six-month flight to whatever home they choose, and bada, bada bing, bada boom, there you go. All right, Brian S. says, I know you guys have talked about attention to detail and the low-gravity scenes. 
At WonderCon, Cass, or one of the writers, mentioned this. Fun fact, the Expanse scripts are color-coded by what type of gravity is in the scene. Huh. That's kind of cool. They There were some... I noticed that, like, in the last few episodes, the attention to gravity was better. Like, I mm-hmm. liked the fact that when they shot, was it Gregory? Um, when he shot him for, like, trying to mutiny, that he just instantly went limp and was kind of, like, floating there, like... Yeah. I mean, I'm not asking for the moon. I'm just asking for like if 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 you guys are color coding the scripts, then then someone I, I guess it needs to go down to like someone on set. Like, hey, you guys, this is a fucking anti gravity scene, and you're shooting it, you're leaning up against. That, I mean, it's just little stuff. Like people in zero g shouldn't lean on things. Right. They shouldn't sit on things. Mm-hmm. If they're if they're standing still and like you know under no like it, the natural thing, it'd be like it'd be. Seeing someone with their hands like to their sides would be as unnatural as seeing someone walking around with their hands forward like a fucking mummy in gravity. Like, yeah. yeah, it just it just it looks weird. <laughs> yeah, like you'd be like, what the hell's? And and that's how it looks to me when I hear them clunking around in their gravity boots and they're swinging their arms as if there's some kind of conservation of ang. Maybe that would actually yeah. You probably still swing your arms and you're walking because you are trying to conserve angular momentum or something but something like that yeah but you should never fucking just have your elbows resting on a podium or you should never like sit down to do something because Mm -hmm. it makes no fucking sense (laughs) um all right i got a pop quiz for you all right from jim from south carolina says i've listened to all your podcasts in the expanse expanse without actually expanse expanse without actually watching the show (laughs) hasn't watched the show but Uh listened to all of our podcasts which is what yeah one of the best things about listening to this is the realistic sci-fi about people actually living in other parts of the solar system. Gas giants are not suitable, so their moons would be better to support human life. With that being said, could either one of you, and I have to discount myself because I have the list right in front of me, could either one of you name the five largest moons in our solar system? I will cop to saying absolutely I could not. Uh, Let's see if a The moon can. is one of them. The the moon is one of them. Isn't it? <laughs> the moon is one of the biggest moons. It is, isn't it? You mean Earth's moon. Yes, yeah, Earth's moon. Of course. The moon. <laughs> when it says the moon, Luna. Yes. Uh, then it would probably be Titan. Titan's in there. Okay. Ganymede, Io, Callista. Uh, Callisto, but yes. Callisto. You got them all. Not in the right order, but right. what are you going to do? Is Titan the biggest one? No. Ganymede is actually oh, the biggest. Oh, okay. It's 0. .1,000... Uh, kilometers because earth's bigger. moon is like the third largest i think it's the fifth is it fifth fuck all right because yeah. i it's funny because like in early season going when i was doing research on like centaurs and stuff i actually got deep into like so i i don't think i can answer this before season three but right clutched it nice all right miguel from mexico city hey guys just a quick thought isn't gravity used to torture belters they all seem pretty comfortable inside their gravity generating spinning ship it's one third gravity though i thought Specifically, Ashford said one G during his speech. No, he said one third. He got. They said they. The Gregory said one third G standard inner gravity, which is I think that that's like. So maybe his one G was like one G for Belters. <laughs> I don't know. I I that hmm. I thought I thought they consistently said a third G, which is kind of what hmm. they've established is how most ships yeah tool around. Sure. And, like, I guess the belter ships spend more time on the float um, because they're just more comfortable doing that, which makes sense. Yeah. Sure, why not? Okay. Um, Let's move on to Tyson. Says, I may be completely wrong. I'm certainly no physics expert. 
The way I understand it is the only way we currently know how to create artificial gravity in space would be to have ships with spinning drums or cylinders. Right. Obviously. A lot or like, acceleration. Like, or acceleration. Like, yeah. Yep. Um, I think the expanse spinning the drum should have been, uh, should be a bit of a watershed moment for space shows and movies that want to show gravity on ships in space. So to avoid it looking kind of weird when things don't move right, if you got mag boots on, but everyone else could float like the expanse has been struggling with. Or to hand wave it away like Star Trek and Star Wars do. We're educated enough now to know how gravity works in space, at least on spaceships. It's not like the stories have to change that much. Actually, could add more material to work with. Uh, it makes sense that that's how large spaceships will be designed in the future, especially learning from the expanse that injuries don't heal without gravity. You also uh, you almost have to build ships that spin. We'll just have to get used to ships that don't look somewhat aerodynamic or like giant battleships flying through space. It's time for a paradigm shift in ship design. I think that's what the expanse is because most of their ships are laid out on like the office plan, like like, like the skyscraper, the skyscraper yeah. plan, where it's like mm-hmm. floors, you know, oriented along the thrust axis. So I, I think and, and they do is this some the guy stuff. that hasn't seen it. No, no, no. Okay, uh, because no, I, I think he's saying like expanse does a great job of this, and they need to yeah. like this needs to be the new norm. Okay, for yeah, shows. I totally I get what I get with that, and and I think that you do see that some like like the um, I forget what they called the the craft in like the Martian. Uh-huh. But it was kind of built, in, and and if you look at some of the more hard sci-fi, like uh, you know, like aliens. Although I think they use artificial gravity, their ships look like big bo- things that don't need to concern themselves with aerodynamics and right. gravity constraints. So I, I I totally agree. Like there's room for the Star Treks and Star Wars of the world, but I I much prefer this. And yet, and I also think that they can tighten down these inconsistencies into zero g that's just stuff that they'll they'll learn as they they continue to make these things it's 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 all the stuff i've uh, pointed out and i've been i was actually wrong a time or two uh also i can point it out would have been like an easy directorial change it wouldn't even mm-hmm. been special effects it'd just been like stop leaning on that asshole right don't sit on your bed before you blow your head off asshole <laughs> like that's what you do on earth but we're not on earth are we maybe, maybe uh, that was his point yeah yeah i'm, I'm, I'm gonna go out like an earther sitting <laughs> uh-huh. on my bed yeah um but yeah i think it's just minor stuff it's minor I, stuff i've got the perfect ship design in mind mm-hmm. it's it's a lot like the drum it's a lot like the spinning yeah. drum except it's it's a human powered hamster wheel uh <laughs> where humans can just run in order to create their own gravity. Right. You don't need thrusters on the outside of the, the drum. That, I, I do believe they did that in Skylab, right? Like I think I've seen <laughs> I, I think I've seen right. I, I think I've yeah. seen a video of a like a late seventies, early eighties astronaut running along the perimeter. Because it would work if you can kick it would, off. Yeah. It would take a while to get the rhythm, but uh-huh. I mean, you can you can spin the human or spin the station. It's it's all the same. <laughs> I don't think you could spin a drum as big as the one that's on the behemoth uh-huh. uh, using just human power, <laughs> right? But something smaller. Well, if something big, you got a lot more humans to play with. Uh, that's true. I did like it was very cool seeing the shift from going from the drum to the central core. Yeah, like it looked like there was maybe even like some sort of gearing system where like each p- p- specific spoke free spun to kind of get you uh, to ease you into zero g right and um, ease you out of it probably right no i thought that was that was super cool and like mm-hmm. you know drummer got weightless and made her back feel better i bet yeah. that did feel amazing my back's Had out to. i'm dreaming for zero g all right brian t says i just want to make an observation about the show versus the book as i've begun to dive into the novels i'm growing more amazed with the show writer's adaptation and interpretation of the source material 
I started the show three years ago, Sans Book, hooked immediately by a series promo commercial that aired during Defiance, last canceled season. Going into the series without any plot perspective, I didn't realize how much of the show writers would go off book at times. Now, in retrospect, I have to, for sure, credit the writers with an expert touch of story crafting that doesn't leave you with that, man, This book, the book was way better, snarky sense of disappointment. The political interweave involving everything Adversarial and Aaron Wright in season one, all show, baby. How the proto-soldier attack on Ganymede was secret nefarious plot that got its reveal after the Earth-Mars summit, super different from the book. Um, he lists a couple more here, but it all worked and it made for some fantastic television. Season three was no exception, going full throttle for 13 episodes. Uh, yeah, I, as someone who had read up to the end of this, this TV season, uh, of the books, I did not feel like the, the books ever really did anything that much better to where I was like, man, I really wish they had not gone this route with the TV show. The, right. the show always felt like it was holding its own. and. Right doing so while not being exactly the same. That's how I felt like the first four seasons of of Game of Thrones. Like, yeah, you could say, like, there's additional details and there's more world building, but, like, it would be, if you you put all that into a show, there'd be so much exposition that it would be a worse show. And, I mean, I've not read the book, so I couldn't comment on, um, but this is... I think I'm I'm going to go back and rewatch season one because I remember I remember having a lot of problems with that first season. I, I remember like m- more so. I remember talking on a podcast about like yeah, I think it's I, I think it's a good show, but and I wonder if like maybe if I went back and rewatched it, if I even feel that way. Um, because like I, I don't know. I would say it's the most faithful to the book. Yeah, and I that's similar to the first season of Game of Thrones too. Yeah, I had zero problems with the book i don't yeah. i don't remember how i felt about season one because i wasn't doing a podcast on it right 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 right. no that's why i kind of want to i definitely want to rewatch it before the season comes back but i kind of mm. been thinking about doing it for fun because uh, this might be my favorite show on right now it's really good i mean now that the leftovers is off <laughs> really and like good. you know like i think better call saul is going to be better call mm. saul um uh, i'm trying to think of like what is like i I like this more than where Game of Thrones is at right now. Okay. That's not to say I hate Game of Thrones or I want to see it. You know, obviously I just wrote a, a book about it. Um, but but like it, there are definitely some holes there that are opening up in the adaptation of the Game of Thrones in a way that it doesn't feel like it's happening. But then again, I would have said the exact same thing after season three of Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. But uh, and there's a lot, you know, shit. Now that I'm thinking about it, there's, you know, there's two more books still. It's, it's, it's a lot like Game of Thrones. I just hope that the Dan, Dan and Ty can actually finish the work and see through that adaptation rather than yeah. having to be like, well, I guess we're going to do this now <laughs> because, fuck, we haven't finished the books. No, Dan, Dan and Ty got this. All right. I got I got faith in him. Cool. Uh, Margaret, notice most sci-fi shows use Earth time as kind of the standard. Do you think that in reality on Mars they would use the Mars Day? What would a Mars day be considered on the belt? Maybe we would stick with the Earth time because it is how we evolved with our sleep cycles. Just curious, based uh, because it is one aspect of the show that they haven't addressed yet. This is an interesting because I just read an article last night addressing that there's actually been some research done and that you can. There's no such thing as time. No, like the human, like like the human body will adapt up to like a fifty-five-ish hour day. Holy shit! I could go more. I could uh, do sixty-five if you do it slow and like you do it like <laughs> like there there's statistics. So like I think that in Mars day is only like thirty-seven minutes longer than Earth day. So oh, I think. Okay. 
I think it's it's weird because I don't know what calendar, what kind of like system calendar you could use to. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's I guess it's nice that the biggest planets have such close like day time night cycles. Um, but like, I wonder if they they have like a leap day every calendar month where they reconcile the Earth day to the Mars day. And who would have the leap day? Because there would be a vicious battle over that. Like, we're not doing a fucking leap day, and we're not shortening our calendar. It would have to be. So fuck you. It would have to be Earth, right? Because they got the shorter day. Right. Like, the the, the error is accumulating on our side. That's what I mean. But but it's not – it wouldn't be an error from Mars' perspective, right? Right. It would be like, no, this is our fucking day. We're not going to shorten our calendar or whatever so that you can – you know, we're not going to skip a day. Yeah, it's so weird. We, because, we want you guys to add a day. Because <laughs> it's, it's already kind of confusing with time zones and what's mm. not and in a time zone and daylight savings time. But when you get off world, it's going to be you got you almost need something like Star Trek's Stardate. You know, something that is yeah. based on something that like that's based on the rotation of the Milky Way galaxy or something, because the amount of times. Your planet spins around the axis, the amount of time your planet takes to traverse uh, an orbit, like, all that's going to be radically different. We'd have to do with tachyons, I know that much. Yeah. If it has anything to do with time, it's tachyons. Bin, bin some tachyons, refocus uh-huh. them through the Heisenberg compensator, and bingo, <laughs> bango, one Earth day equals one Martian day. I think it'd just be smart to decouple it from, from night and day. Who gives a shit? Who gives a shit? Because that's how our bodies work. Yeah, but our bodies change. Look at the belters. No, I, I get it, but, like, you know, if you... I, I don't... Let's just set a standard. Let's set a standard increment of time that is day. Yeah. Day, night, be damned. Who yeah. cares about that cycle? Would it be weird, though? Like, I feel like if every month, like, uh, you know, you get up at 6 a.m. and half the time's in dark, half the time in... That would be Ask the Alaskans thing. how that feels. <laughs> That's I mean, true. fucking people do it. That's true. You're and, right. And if we're, and, and if we're traveling say, well, space, we gotta do it. And we... Because only... what are you gonna do when we inhabit other planets? Uh, right. Out through the ring, the other 1,300. Right. Like, and Mars isn't on. growing shit on the surface, so it doesn't really matter. Like, there's no Not Martian them, cows yeah. that need to be milked or whatever. And if they are, they're indoors underneath artificial light. So, yeah, I guess they could... Yeah, for just now. get rid of the whole day-night idea. Right. Let's just, let's How's just that survive it. the 1,300 worlds that are orbiting different stars? And That's fine. Still keep it 24 hours? Yeah. All right. You know? maybe, maybe give it 25. Yeah, it's not our fault that every other planet has the wrong number of hours. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's move on to Matt H. He says, I was stoked to hear you discuss The Expanse last year on your Bald Move TV podcast since I felt like the only one watching and enjoying the show. I was also excited to see the dis- the decision to focus a proper podcast to the show, and I feel like the decision might pay off now that Amazon is funding and promoting it. The show could be massive, since the story is so compelling. My question is, for Aaron, what's it going to take for you to pick up the books? I'm sympathetic to Dude. a desire to be surprised by the show, but the books no, really rule. you've got me all wrong. <laughs> well, let, let me finish. Okay, let me finish, okay. and then you can set the man straight. <laughs> they fill in so much of the information about which you have questions, like the birthing process in low G. Uh, additionally, one of my favorite aspects of your Game of Thrones podcast is the spoiler and theory section. It would be cool to have one of those for The Expanse. Thanks for all you guys do. Now, set poor Matt straight. This is purely a business decision. If yeah. I if this was Aaron, private citizen, I would already have the books on my Kindle and, and been reading them by now because that typically is how my like like I approach it. Uh, um, anytime I approach a, a a product that has a book component, I always hit a part point where. 
the production's not far enough along and they leave <laughs> on a season cliffhanger or a movie cliffhanger and I'm like, fuck it, I guess I have to read the series. So mm-hmm. it's actually requiring like I'm like I'm always rationalizing myself, well maybe I can just read the first three now and then but I, I I really think that it's kind of an all or nothing to bring that perspective to the the podcast and i do think it's a valuable valuable perspective that that keeps things honest like um you know when game of thrones and we we're doing that with jim like anytime like i'd see a blank look on jim's face is mostly because i was accidentally spoiling something that happened in the books or getting to the bo- a book thing because sometimes it gets blurred in your head especially if it's Absolutely. been a few years since you've read that passage and you're like oh shit that's a so I'm only doing it for the sake of the podcast and to keep that dynamic alive. Um, as far as the segregated, like, spoiler versus non-spoiler, that's up to Jim because that's a shit... I mean, I don't know if it'd be as much work on this one because, you know, Game of Thrones has, like, a unique set of lore and mm-hmm. prophecies and, you know, like, like I feel like Martin really kind of wants you to figure some of this stuff out in a way that maybe Ty and Dan don't have that agenda. I feel like I'd have to go all in on the books and just finish them. Yeah. Get up to date. That's the other thing. Uh, which I am more than happy to do if that's the way we decide that we want to go. I, I, it does feel like – I know there's a lot of podcasts that cover this, but it does mm-hmm. feel like this still at the end of season three is kind of like this gold rush. Like Game of Thrones is going to wrap up next year for better or worse, and there'll be a ton of people looking for a new show. And if this continues to get the online buzz of being Game of Thrones in space, it feels like a natural evolution. And mm-hmm. I'm not saying 100 million people worldwide will watch it, but I don't know why. I really don't know why. Yeah, I, I think it's as compelling as anything Game of Thrones has done. I will say that season one of Expanse maybe was not as compelling as season one of Game of Thrones. Sure. Yeah, that's fair. But season two, like even season three of Game of Thrones, which we're about to start our, our rewatch of, like that's kind of like peak Game of Thrones. Mm-hmm. And I would say that this compares very favorably to it. Yeah, I mean, it's it's also a setting thing for me. Like space right. shows prefer, are right. inherently sure, sure. more interesting than medieval sure. style fantasy shows. Right. Uh, to me. So. I also think that like it's a, tra- it's, it's a little bit more ex- inclusive as an audience because there's a lot of... I know there's a lot of like women especially that watch Game of Thrones against their 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 personal feelings for the material. Uh whereas I feel like in the Expanse like they have projected a few hundred years of humanity and like different lifestyles and ways of expressing sexuality and individuality like and and like like, like that's not the stuff that matters anymore. What matters is whether you're born in a gravity well or not, you know? Yeah, and right. I feel like you, there's, there's that, that, that this show is effortless in having that, you know, you, you, it, like, no matter where you come from on Earth, you can probably find someone that looks, sounds, acts like you. And that's, that's really important in a way that I don't even think Game of Thrones does exceptionally well. Yeah, I mean, it's tough. Game of Thrones has a lot of stuff to wade through before you can get to any of right, that. Right, 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 right. Uh, and there's a whole lot built in. Well, you know, women can't be like, like it's, it's the exception that females are, are, are strong characters in that world because of the way it's right. set up. Right. Whereas mm. the expanse, you would expect to see very powerful women wielding authority, like Avasarala and drummer and even Naomi yeah. as arguably, I guess, third in command of the, 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 the behemoth, like the third, uh, 
well, she's the chief engineer. Like, I just felt like she was always there. Yeah, Ashford horned in. and He's second. He clear Naomi second. was second until Ashford showed sure, up. Sure, but I'm saying, God, you know what I'm saying? Ashford like ruined everything. Two out of the three leadership positions behemoth are, yeah. are held by women. Um, so I, I just feel like that's also a huge advantage that, like we've seen with Black Panther and other properties, when you start to represent those 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 people and to make people feel like they have a place in that world, it's it's a lot more exciting to them. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously, people can engage in that material without that, but that's that's a huge cherry on top of the Sunday. So, yeah, I think I, I I'm glad we got into the season, and I could see this being like big for bald move. And even if it's not, like I think I'm all in because just it's just a great show. Yeah, it does feel like it's on a somewhat similar trajectory to Game of Thrones. Like Game of Thrones yeah. started off all political intrigue, right? right. With a, a tiny hint of some kind of fantasy element. Right. And I feel like, you know, aside from the setting being in space, right. I feel like The Expanse did a lot of that too, where the proto-molecule right. was this thing that was just kind of out there and didn't really play a major part mm-hmm. in the dealings of the human beings. Right. Uh, but then as the series has gone on, suddenly we're thrust into the what looks to be a, a, a civil war in space, you know? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> It's it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot of like, I, there's so many similarities between this and Game of Thrones. Yeah, that would make it compare favorably. And I, I mean, we it, this reminds me a lot of like when we started off with the leftovers. Like, it wasn't a huge success for us, but by the end of season three, it was one of our more successful podcasts because yeah. Like, it was a small audience, an even smaller engaged online podcast audience, but probably 90% of those people were listening to our podcast. And if you can, <laughs> if, 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 if our passion uh, for the material kind of like shines through the way it did with the leftovers, I, I, I've got, I've got, uh, uh, I've got optimistic feelings about where the show goes. Yeah, we'll see. All right, finally, Donald says uh, a couple of things struck me at the end of the season and what we can look forward to in the next. Uh, finally, we have some context for what the protomolecule wants and what the work is with Miller hitching a ride um, in or on Holden. I, I don't know how to describe that. Uh, with Holden. How about that? Uh, the station wants to know what happened to the civilization it left behind and is using humanity as detectives. I think he nailed it. Um it also perhaps needs biomass to make the gate in the first place. Maybe? I I don't know. Not really. It didn't seem like it needed biomass to make those new rings. Or are you just talking about the nucleus, like the, the jellyfish yeah, thing? I, I don't know either. Because, because it did sort of need something to make that. I was trying to think if the protomolecule hit the system like a, a mil... Um, 200 million years ago right. would it have like repurposed dinosaurs because it does need locomotion yeah like if it takes over a rock that there's not much it can do with that it needs something to be able to to move around it needs to be able to hitch a ride on things but they're playing a long game like mm-hmm. you know it might take a billion years to get there but once you get the gate you know boom it's open yeah um so yeah i don't i i don't know enough about the protomolecule to to say exactly what operating parameters do you i mean do you feel like you have a better handle from the books no no i don't i mean that's the whole thing about using an inscrutable piece of technology yeah. uh it's it uh it's inscrutable <laughs> yeah and you kind of wanted to remain so right up until you don't right right and that's the thing so. like the other thing is like man how much can this show expand uh pun intended before they start to contract because like yeah 
you know, that's something we're starting to hear from the Game of Thrones fan base. Like, there's always these new things and these new catastrophes, and like now it seems like the possibilities are starting to limit and everything's shaping. Well, yeah, yeah, it's it's coming to a conclusion. Uh-huh. Um, how, what, like, this is such a huge expansion, such a huge expansion of the world. How do you start pairing that back eventually? Yeah. And and just like I mean, this feels like something you could tell, like a, a Simpsons twenty year kind of plot arc, right? But it's going to be nine books and probably seven, six or seven seasons. And I wonder if they're going to try and bring it back to sort of a personal conclusion for the characters that we know and love, or if it's going to be more of a humanity wide kind of thing. Yeah, because I think those are two very different endings. You yeah, know, those look vastly different from each other. And I was also like, I never took it for granted because I haven't read the books that like our main crew would be the same all the way through. Like I, as, as this season drawn to, to close, I think I said this in the podcast. Like it wasn't entirely clear to me that like Holden and all these people would be back. Like mm-hmm. once this thing kicks off, it might be more interesting. Like like how can a Martian Corvette tooling around the solar system still be relevant in this larger world? Right. Uh, I don't see it, but it's exciting because I yeah I, I feel like it's it's the, the ways to connect you know the Rossi's crew to the larger picture are through Avrasarla and people like that right yeah. the people who are already connected to the larger picture. I mean it, uh, when I say that I mean it's obvious how the Rossinati will be important because it's got the investigator on board. Sure, yeah. But how is that important to anyone but like Holden and Miller and Naomi and yeah. You know, I guess that's going to lead to the big threat and how to beat the big threat. Like, mm-hmm. but there again, like I guess, like my protomolecule panic in the first seasons were, boy, I really hope they don't put away all this political intrigue to you know have humanity combine against the the protomolecule monster, right? Mm-hmm. And they certainly didn't do that. But now, like I guess I've got the other panic, like when they find this <laughs> other big bad. Like I kind of hope the other big bad's just as extinct. Yeah. Like, it's like the train, like, what happened to Tyrannosaurus? Well, ultimately, it ran out of Apatosauruses or whatever to eat. And why did they? Because of the asteroids. Ran so, out of uh, lawyers to eat. Exactly. So. <laughs> like, they, 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 they died out. So I kind of hope the big bad is dead and it's just be humanity squabbling over these 1300 worlds. Like, that's, yeah. fuck, that's all the show needs, man. Mm-hmm. But I'm worried that it'll be, you know, fighting some kind of shadow war against these crazy alien ships. And I feel like it's going to be... A little of both. They, mm. They've done that remarkably well so far, you know, towed that line between mm-hmm. or, or like like danced on that wire between right. making this a political drama and making this a larger like right. alien story. And I, I think the mix so far has been really, really strong. Yeah. I, I mean, it's something I continue worrying about, but it's not ever been a problem. Yeah. Um, the protomolecule has always been you know something that that gooses along all the stuff that i actually like and this could be yet another and it will be gooser. i mean that that single shot of avrasara just looking yeah, you're right. at the the new rings right that right. tells me so much about season 4 yeah the, the one of the huge going concerns is going to be what does the the human race do with the new rings yeah the new systems that they've had access to. Yeah. And I, I would love to, because like, I feel like the Belters and the Martians have kind of gotten a little short shrift. We haven't spent as much time. Like, I think it's time for the Belters to shine, because I think the big conflict that's going to be interesting next season is mm-hmm. in within the Belters, the ones yep. that, like, Ashford want to be a great nation, take a step forward, versus the ones like Dawes who want to accumulate personal power mm-hmm. at, the expan- at the expense of, uh, of everything else. Like, 
that is super interesting. And now I hope they get Jared Harris back since he's not filming the terror. Yeah. Uh, they need they need to do something with Fred and Anderson. Next yeah. Season. Yeah. I'd like to see them fight over like the um, the soul of the belt, you know. Yeah. Uh, who's going to be, uh, and, and maybe maybe they're just going to be forced to share power, which is also an interesting thing. Like like them doing like you know proxy infighting, like continuing to use things like Drummer and Ashford to like fight their their mm-hmm. their wars. Um, that'd be kind of interesting. Or maybe Drummer and Ashford are going to be the new Fred and Anderson. Like right, maybe those actors are too big at this point, and we won't see them very much. Right, going forward, I don't feel like that's yeah. You know, nothing. I, I yeah. I don't. It's, I don't feel like that's the straight, case. Straight, straight there, and I don't know how to say his name. The, uh-huh. the guy playing Ashford, right, uh, is a pretty big actor. He is as pretty far big. as television goes. Yeah, yeah. So and even movie roles. Yeah. So. All right. Um, some other stuff he's got. He says, "I love how the show has been ramping up the stakes from season to season, starting with Evil Earth Corp doing experiments to the gate opening, and now humanity going to thousands of different solar systems." And eventually finding the bigger enemy behind one of the gates, presumably. Um, I'm betting the Rossi will be there to figure it out, and our favorite badass Bobby will be there to help. Uh, except also Miller is my favorite. Ghost Miller is even better. I think I agree with that. I think Ghost Miller is better than regular Miller. Um, oh, yeah, and he also says they rolled the opening credits song and video for the first time in a while, which was awesome. I, I noticed that and I actually yeah. watched it because like, I don't know why they do that. To me... That's such a great way to bring in new viewers. Like, if you've heard about The Expanse and you want to see, like, that that tells so much story. Like, mm-hmm. how the Earth is transformed, how Mars is transformed, how the belt is transformed, how all these things are connected together. And it's kind of like, like, just like, imagine Game of Thrones without, you know, the map following along all the locations and how much harder it would be to get a feel of where you're at and where you're going. And I feel like... Yeah. The opening credits for The Expanse th- does a similar thing where it kind of grounds you. It does. I th- I think, I don't know about you, but I tend to skip intros almost universally after the first few times seeing them. Right. So I actually appreciate that Expanse does what it does, which is give me like a five-second clip uh-huh. where I don't need to go skip the intro. But then every once in a while, it brings it back during important events. Hmm. And I wonder what of... the rhyme and reason is. It might just be like runtime. Could be. Like, hey, yeah. this... Um, you know, we only got 42 minutes left of 43. Roll the long uh, credits. Want to uh, <laughs> see the Statue of Liberty flooding and then the walls being built and then being pumped out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, or it could just be a vibe kind of thing. Like, yeah. Look, this is a finale. Let's let's bust it all out, you know? Right, right. Yeah. Let's, let's bring out the good the good booze. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, to me, it, it emphasizes the intro more and makes me sit up and take notice when it does happen. So that's all I got. All right. That's, well, uh, shoot, I wish three. we could continue to talk about it forever. I wish there was more shows out right now. I wish I wasn't committed to this fucking uh, show watcher only role and we could do like a book <laughs> review. We could do like some book review stuff on the off season. But Let's do it. Let's do book four. None of, <laughs> none of that's going to happen. I'll be the devil on your shoulder. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Do you think it's worth it? Like, Is I know it? a lot of people. I, got, I know a lot of people like that about our Game of Thrones coverage. Yeah, that you had no, both I, of those, I and I do think that even if you don't have strong opinions either way, the behind-the-scenes shaping of the content and keeping the spoilers like very pure, like I feel like there's a lot of good things mm-hmm. uh, that, that that the dynamic brings, other than just like you know have one person that they can freely speculate and the other guy can be smug about it. Like 
Well, I think that's the most important factor is is someone on this damn show needs to be the person who all the TV only people can identify with. Right. Because if not, then no speculation can happen, which really sucks. And then you're in the position of being, you might as well be an official podcast where right. you you know everything, you have access to all the info, but you just can't say anything. Right. I mean, Those I, suck. There are ways to like do that with like listener feedback, but even then, like you gotta you gotta winnow the people that are trying to play the book game, where right. they're trying to pass off their own speculation. Yeah, they're, they're trying to pass off their certain knowledge of speculation. I don't know why people do that. I don't know why people cheat in video games. I don't know why people do use aimbots and Counter Strike, but they they yeah. do. And there's enough of them that 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 uh, make it hard to do a project like that. It's money. Somehow yeah. it's money. Because like I I, the, the worst part would be like book only or, or show only. Like if you're a show only, like you you just must be take like I, I it's it's impossible for both people to be show only because someone will just spoil you out of malevolence. Yeah, yeah, probably. So and that's kind of why I'm I'm considering another reason I'm considering reading them all other than I just want to. right. It lets you keep keep one step ahead of the the shit birds. Yeah, keep parody with the people who would try and ruin yeah. future events yeah 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 um all right we'll see so we'll see what season four we're definitely like. coming back for season four. Oh yeah for sure yeah uh look for us to be out a week and then and now i will if amazon drops it all at once i'm guessing we're going to do like a stranger things and just like spend the whole weekend getting that shit cranked out yeah. What I, what I really to. hope they do is do like maybe two, like one or one, one a week or like two or three a week, so we can keep a little bit better pace with it. But I really hope mm-hmm. they don't dump it all in once. Yeah. Uh, I feel like uh, I don't know. I just that's the, those shows that do that. It's it sucks because there's like two weeks of conversation irrelevancy and then done. Yeah. Whereas ten weeks, you know, that's like that's once that's uh, a fifth of the calendar year. That 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 preoccupies a lot of people's time. And if you want to grow an audience, you, you got to kind of do that stuff. Mm-hmm. But we'll see. Uh, regardless, we'll have coverage when it comes out, uh, and be looking like the week before it drops for a preview podcast where we can kind of blow the dust off the series, talk about whether Jim has read the books, all that kind of stuff. Uh, if Spoiler you want... alert! Yes, I will have read the books, but <laughs> not all of them, though. Oh, Maybe at, at least number four. At least number I can four. Tell you that for sure. Uh, we'll talk about that kind of stuff. We might get Levi back on to give his thoughts on it. Um, and then, yeah. And if you, if you, this is your first experience to bald move or first exposure. Uh, know that things do not stop. We're going to be doing uh, a full podcast coverage on HBO's new Sharp Objects maybe supernatural psychological thriller kind of thing mm-hmm. uh we're also going to be doing a rewatch of speaking of space game of thrones game of thrones season three uh and then you know in the fall there'll be all kinds of stuff so probably better call saul yep september maybe maybe a new mr robot maybe it, have we got that or that's i don't know the date on that because no. i know they're playing coy on westworld about when they're coming back with that uh, but we just got a lot of stuff. And movies, we're going to be covering a lot of big uh, summer blockbusters on our movie feeds. Lots of stuff to follow at baldmove.com. 